Hello and welcome to Dateline New Haven and happy Thanksgiving weekend, everybody. This is the time when everyone gets freakily nice in New Haven. So I'm going to do my best this hour, but I can't promise to do that the whole time. But you're listening to Dateline New Haven, WNHHFM, New Haven's home for community radio, and it's headlines and baselines. The latest headlines, mostly from the New Haven Independent. Little commentary. Paired with songs. That mean a lot to us and bring the soul of the politics and the government and the other issues and housing that we discuss. So here we go, folks. Headline in the New Haven Independent this week. Suburban fundraisers sing for Hill's tiny homes. That sounds nice. They were singing in church in North Brantford, Zion Episcopal Church. They sang a song there. Here's what they said. They said, I won't sing it. I'll just give you the lyrics. So they're all gathered there in North Brantford. You know North Brantford, which is one of those like lily white conservative suburbs that are always sneering at New Haven and acting superior. Well, a bunch of people gathered in this church. And they heard about a really cool project happening in New Haven because, you know, homelessness is on the rise. And it's just not New Haven people are homeless. If you read our stories, you'll see that people who come to our shelters and live on our streets come from the towns all over here, including Brantford, including Wallingford, because those towns kick them out. So the people in North Brantford decided that um, New Haven's not doing enough for the people who get kicked out of their communities and end up on our streets. So they heard about a cool project in New Haven that a lot of us are pretty excited about, Tiny Houses in the Hill, Rosette Village. It's at Amstad Worker House, Catholic Worker House, where they already had an encampment, a tent encampment. And they're always pushing the limit, pushing up against the rules, trying to get government to do better, which is a good thing from the outside. We need people in government who are making sure we follow the rules and do things right and see what we can do. And we need people outside the system pushing, saying, here are ideas, maybe how you can do better. So Rosette Street, they put up, they call them tiny houses, not really houses, they're pallets, but they're indoor. They're going to be heated if they can get the electricity worked out. They're fighting with the city about that. And people living in tents will be able to be inside now, at least some of them, uh, for the cold winter. They're fighting with the city about permits because the city has also done a lot for the homeless, shelters, affordable housing, transitional housing, warming centers, but said we got to follow rules so that people don't die. Uh, and the people, tiny houses say, Rosette Village say, well, you're sticking too close to the rule when people need to be housed right now. So they brought that to, to good old North Brantford. And they said, we need some money to help build these places up, which is great. So they got $10,000. You know, a little nice tiny down payment on the millions of dollars every year New Haven spends to do the work that the suburbs want to because they're racist and selfish. And, uh, but then they, you know, they were hearing about how the people at Rosette Village feel that the city government, the mayor, Elliker in particular, is not moving fast enough to approve what they want to do. So they're in a two-sided argument with the city government, New Haven. I happen to agree with both of them. I know that sounds silly since they're disagreeing. I like what they're trying to do in Rosette Village. And I like that, um, the city government, which does a lot to help the homeless, wants to be pushed more, is also insisting on rules so we don't have a lot of people dying and, uh, and being in dangerous situations. But the people hearing the one side of the story in Guilford decided that they were better than the mayor of New Haven, the people in New Haven, Justin Elliker, and they sang this song. They said, Justin, Justin, warm your heart. Turn on the heat. That's a good start. Homelessness is not a crime. Make housing affordable. It's way past time. Now, is it just me, or is that chutzpah? Is that an incredibly 
hypocritical thing for these good church people feeling self-satisfied and smug in Superior New Haven to be singing. So Mayor New Haven is spending millions of public dollars trying to house all these people from all over the region, come from all over the suburbs, to come to New Haven because of the big challenges, and they're sad with homelessness. And um, and this is uh, the response you get. So um, I just looked up, Tom Breen looked up some numbers and others, and uh, here's what he found out. Do you know that in North Brantford, 2.2% of the housing is considered affordable. Just 2.2% means you could afford to live there. Not even just homeless. This is like if you drive a bus. In New Haven, 33.4% of our city, a full third is considered affordable. So 33, a third of our city is affordable housing. We're building a lot more of it. North Brantford's keeping it out. That's why it exists. And did you know that that church, Zion Episcopal Church, sits on six acres of land? You know how many tiny houses you could put there? So they have a little gilt, gilt money in New Haven for a tiny, tiny zero, 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 zero point zero 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 one percent of the cost they dump on New Haven for problems they don't want to deal with in their own communities. And they won't even put a single tiny house on that church property, but here they are singing about how superior they are to the mayor of New Haven. New Haven has three warming centers, that is two homeless shelters, in addition to all the transitional housing places, right? Like Liberty Safe Haven and all this stuff that um, a whole bunch of nonprofits do. I just, I just can't get over this. I can't get my mind around this. Uh, so I think I'm going to have to listen to Aretha Franklin. Just to, um, she, had a, she wrote about housing too. She sang a song called The House That Jack Built. And if you could afford to live there, you can bet your bottom dollar that it isn't anywhere near the good people of Zion Episcopal Church. This is a house that Jack built, y'all. Remember this house. This was the land that he worked by hand. It was the dream of an upright man. There was a room that was filled with love. It was a love that I was proud of. This is the life, the life that he planned. On the love, the same old love. In the house that Jack built. The house that Jack built. Remember this house There was a fence that held our love Yes, it was There was a gate that it was 
The house that Jack built, Aretha Franklin. Boy, those fade outs were great. They really knew how to do singles back then. I know I sound old. The house that Jack built, you know that if Jack built this house so that someone could afford to live in it, it's not going to be in North Brantford where the good Sunday church people sing songs about how heartless they think New Haven's mayor is for not doing even more affordable housing while they keep all of it out of their city and off their pristine six-acre church grounds. In fact, another 80 rooms are being built for the homeless at Columbus House, which you wouldn't find in North Brantford. That's for damn sure, even though a lot of people come from all our suburbs to Columbus House when they're homeless, and that's a good thing. Columbus House has a main, they have a bunch of facilities. They have a main center off the boulevard. They have dormitory style, big room where people sleep on cots, and they have all their offices. They're knocking down the offices. Way to go. They're going to direct services. They're building a new building with 80 rooms, and here's how they're doing it. Um, Nora Grace Flood had a headline this week, Columbus House to build new 80-room shelter. These 80 rooms are going to be one and two bedrooms where homeless people are not going to be in a big room where people don't feel safe. There's no privacy. you got to sleep on your wallet or whatever. You're going to have a bathroom for every one or two rooms. So sort of like SRO, right? And one or two room places. Columbus House continues ever since its founding in the early 80s when with the deinstitutionalization in the Reagan era. We started seeing a return of homelessness for the first time on a large scale since the Great Depression. Columbus House has been at the forefront showing how to do it and always thinking of new ways and how to do it better. Way to go. Um, another historical change, Fairhaven Pizza Landmark up for sale. That landmark is on Grand Avenue. It's Grand Pizza. People really love it. It's been around since 1955. And they even have an outpost in North Haven, last I checked. They make really good New Haven-style pizza. It doesn't get all the glitz and fancy attention that the other pizza places, and they're good pizza places too. Grand Pizza is terrific, and uh, people feel special about their memories there too. It's hung on there since 1955 at Grand Avenue. A couple of owners, um, George Carranza's owned it for the last few decades, and now he's putting it up for sale. And we're hoping that um, someone doesn't have to keep it the way things is. It's good to have change. But let's keep what makes the place special with a good food, a good community place, community gathering place, and down to earth and no big lines, God forbid. So there's going to be a sign in the window saying it's for sale. We hope someone sees that sign and responds. Bob Dylan, and one of my favorite albums of his that are underappreciated, uh, New Morning, 1970. He had a song about a sign on the window. Had a lot of messages. So here's what Bob Dylan's version was of the sign on the window. Sign on a door said no company allowed Sign on a street says you don't own me Sign on a port says three's a crowd Sign on a port says three's a to California I met a boyfriend don't change that tune my best friend said not deny I warn ya bright girls are like the moon 
build me a cabin in Utah. Marry me a wife, gets rainbow trout. Have a bunch of kids who call me Paul. Sign on the Window by Bob Dylan, 1970 New Morning album. You know, I think one of the most underappreciated aspects of Bob Dylan's music is his piano playing. He's a good guitar player. I think he's a much better pianist. He really has a lot of soul, and that album has a lot of soul. It was a year or two after his big motorcycle accident. He was drawing in a lot, finding a lot of new spirituality and uh, going in new directions with his music, and I love that song. That's Sign on the Window, dedicated to Grand Avenue Pizza. Grand Pizza. Grand Pizza on Grand Avenue the Fairhaven Pizza Landmark is up for sale and business is 95. We hope someone sees that sign on the window and buys it to good purpose and keeps it as a special gathering place with good food for Fairhaven. You listen to headlines and baselines on Dateline New Haven, WNHHFM, New Haven's home for community radio, 103.5M, live streamed at newhavenindependent.org. We're looking at the headlines this week. One of the headlines was from Connecticut News Junkie, our partner in Hartford, Vincent Morrow, Senate Democrats Chief of Staff to depart in December. So depart doesn't mean bad things like departing to the great hereafter. It means he's leaving the state capitol, which is a big deal for a couple of reasons. Uh, Vincent Morrow is the son of the late Democratic Party leader, Vincent Morrow Sr., and he's the Democratic Party leader now. He's been for quite a while, more than a decade, in New Haven. He's going to keep that job. But his day job was kind of running the state. He was chief of staff to the state Senate president, Martin Looney, who's also from New Haven. And he kind of ran things. People negotiated with Vinny a lot about where the votes were going to be. Of course, Marty was in charge, has been in charge. But really, if legislation wanted to happen, Vinny was in the loop, kind of gave the sense if it could happen and could be trusted with Republicans, different facts, Democrats to talk to people. He loves that and he's good at it. But so, he's done it a long time. He's been in the legislation since 1996. He has a new opportunity in the private sector. We don't know what that is. Uh, Kevin Rennie, who's the kind of most in know, one of the most in the know state political columnists, said people call. Vinny, the 37th senator. There are 36 elected. He's also at the table making things happen. And in Reddy's view, he was the first senator. So Vinny Moore understood, I think, that sometimes you got to stick at something for a long time and get better at it and get more knowledge and deeper relationships to do a good job, to do your job with talent and uh, get results the way he did. But he also understood, in my opinion, with this move this week, what the great late gospel and R&B singer Marie Knight understood in her album on Let Us Get Together is that sometimes you gotta move. You gotta move. You gotta move. You got to move When the Lord gets ready You got to move hey, yeah. You got to move 
gets ready you gotta move you don't get to argue about it you don't say well can i like sit on my butt for another three weeks no you gotta move when it's time to move marie knight knew that in her rendition of reverend gary davis's songs including you got to move and uh vincent morrow jr knew that stayed a long time to stay senate build up relationships knowledge got a lot of work done now it's time to move he's moving on as chief of staff of state senate democrats this is headlines and baselines New Haven Independence Radio Station to be NHH FM. We're doing a little holiday season uh, headlines and baselines, stories from the independent, commentary, and music it inspires. Here is a headline, Tom Breen's story yesterday in the independent. Overdose prevention grant heralded on Grand, back in Grand Avenue. So the senators came to, t- U.S. senators came to town to say, we got you $10 million in fertile money over five years. So it's not the biggest dollar figure, but it could make the biggest impact. What it's doing is it's going to pay for 10 navigators to work, not just in New Haven, but across the region. A fancier word is case management specialist. What it means is people go out with people who are overdosing or might be overdosing, addicted to, to opioids especially, but, you know, meth and other coming at the picture too right now. And they're trying to help them get help. It ain't easy. They're going to work with places like Fairhaven Health Community. Fairhaven Community Health Care. They're going to talk to people struggling with addiction. Say, what do you need for help? And, you know, I was thinking about that article about how hard it is, especially this holiday season, because a lot of people don't want help, right? Or they're not ready for help. And we've all known that for people we've had in our own lives struggling with addiction. For many people, a day comes when they're ready for the help. And we've lost some who the day doesn't come. And if you go and do this outreach, which we got to do, a lot of people still they talk about safe injection sites which we need in new haven and now that a hot dog being candidate who had no chance of becoming mayor has stopped making everyone argue about that issue rather than talk about intelligently you might get one in new haven but there are a lot of things we need to do to give people opportunities to get help when they're ready to battle addiction but as we know most people would prefer to still get high if they can if they're still in the throes of it so it's a challenge. It's not like you spend this $10 million and now we're not going to have an opioid crisis, an overdose crisis. What it does mean a lot more people will live and they'll be ready when they, for that help. It made me think of a song that um, I thought Michelle Schock did a very nice version of in her 1992 album, Marcus O. Traveler, which is the prodigal daughter. It's a takeoff on the prodigal son. Because uh, 
you think about it this holiday season the people are out there on the street battling addiction at some point some of them are going to come home if they can get the help to stay alive the prodigal son the prodigal daughter does go we've all you know i've been a prodigal son and it is a deep moment when you do come back and you are welcome back despite the things you've done we're a community that cares and we want to make it possible for people to live another day so the prodigal daughter and the prodigal son can come home here's michelle shocked prodigal daughter
Michelle Shocked, Prodigal Daughter, from her 1992 release, Arkansas Traveler. So interesting what she was doing there. She was taking two traditions, traditional song Cotton Joe and the traditional of the Prodigal Son, which is in a lot of songs, revisiting and how it looks for the girl who wants to come back home after wandering astray or getting in trouble in this case, pregnant, not ready to have a baby, and not being welcomed home the same way. And it just, I thought her whole album, that album is a, plays a lot of different musicians to look at traditional music and think of them in a new way. And this is Thanksgiving week. We're doing headlines and baselines on WNHH's Dateline New Haven. We think about tradition and what do we find in them that we want to keep because there's something comforting about the ritual of tradition, Thanksgiving dinner, getting together with family, thinking about the fake story about what all happened around the time of Thanksgiving, but the good parts about how you can find common ground and peace. It's a good message for today. I love some of the traditions in New Haven at Thanksgiving time, you know, whether it's loaves and fishes. There was an article in The Independent this week gave out 700 free turkeys. They feed people all the time, so it's not like once a year we're getting everybody the turkeys. You know, but they did a special thing for Thanksgiving, or this Atwoods Senior Center has the big Thanksgiving party every year. Basically, way too many dozens and dozens of stations to name that do that tradition. I've always had a favorite since I was a kid, Thanksgiving tradition. And that was listening to a non-commercial radio station. And there were several, NEW in New York at the time, PKN up here. And for people of a certain generation, we listened to a song that's about Thanksgiving by Arlo Guthrie called The Alice's Restaurant Massacre. Massacre. It's a humorous story, mostly spoken 18 minutes about a Thanksgiving meal at a bunch of hippies at a church in the, who get a, there's an arrest for dumping and it gets into how that enables, doesn't enable someone to go fight in the Vietnam War and comes back and it is humorous. And it's 18 minutes, so this is going to be an 18 minute song. That's part of the idea of commercial radio. You can have a tradition about something that's special and you got 18 minutes, there's no commercial to play. And I like to revisit the traditions to think just like Michelle shocked there, what's new. And my wife and I are talking about Alice's restaurant. And I wonder, there's a lot of humor in there about militarism. It's a message for today too. And about what we're thankful for at Thanksgiving. But I'm not sure about the joke part of it about arresting people for dumping as though that's overkill. Not maybe not arresting, but citation. Nowadays, the same hippies or people care about the earth and the environment who might have chuckled about the idea of citing one for dumping might be more interested in seeing enforcement by law enforcement of illegal dumping provisions. So that's just a thought. I mean, enjoy. I don't want to get too heavy. Enjoy the song. This is my Thanksgiving tradition to you of uh, the original Arlo Guthrie Alice's Restaurant Massacre. But I'll put that little nugget in there too. This song's called Alice's Restaurant It's about Alice And the restaurant But Alice's Restaurant Is not the name of the restaurant That's just the name of the song And that's why I call the song Alice's Restaurant (laughs) 
You can get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant. You can get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant. Walk right in, it's around the back, just a half a mile from the railroad track. And you can get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant. Now it all started two Thanksgivings ago, it was on two years ago on Thanksgiving when my friend and I went up to visit Alice at the restaurant, but Alice doesn't live in the restaurant, she lives in the church nearby the restaurant in the bell tower with her husband Ray and Fotch is a dog, and living in the bell tower like that, they got a lot of room downstairs where the pews used to be, and Having all that room, seeing as how they took out all the pews, they decided that they didn't have to take out their garbage for a long time. We got up there, we found all the garbage in there, and we decided it'd be a friendly gesture for us to take the garbage down to the city dump. So we took the half a ton of garbage, put it in the back of a red VW microbus, took shovels and rakes and implements of destruction, and headed on toward the city dump. Well, we got there, and there's a big sign and a chain across the dump saying closed on Thanksgiving. And we had never heard of a dump closed on Thanksgiving before. And with tears in our eyes, we drove off into the sunset looking for another place to put the garbage. We didn't find one. Till we came to a side road, and off the side of the side road was another 15-foot cliff. And at the bottom of the cliff was another pile of garbage. And we decided that one big pile is better than two little piles, and rather than bring that one up, we decided to throw ours down. That's what we did. Drove back to the church, had a Thanksgiving dinner that couldn't be beat, went to sleep and didn't get up until the next morning when we got a phone call from Officer Obi. Said, kid, we found your name on an envelope at the bottom of a half a ton of garbage, and wanted to know if you had any information about it. And I said, yes, sir, Officer Obey, cannot tell a lie. I put that envelope under that garbage. <laughs> After speaking over for about 45 minutes on the telephone, we finally arrived at the truth of the matter and said that we had to go down and pick up the garbage and also had to go down and speak to him at the police officer station. So we got in the red VW microbus with the shovels and rakes and implements of destruction headed on toward the police officer station. Now, friends, there was only one or two things that Obi could have done at the police station, and the first was that he could have given us a medal for being so brave and honest on the telephone, which wasn't very likely and we didn't expect it. Another thing was that he could have bawled us out and told us never to be seen driving garbage around the vicinity again which is what we expected but when we got to the police officer station there was a third possibility that we hadn't even counted upon and we was both immediately arrested handcuffed and i said oh yeah don't think i can pick up the garbage with these handcuffs on I said shut up kid get in the back of the patrol car and that's what we did and sat in the back of the patrol car and drove to the quote scene of the crime unquote I want to tell you about the town of Stockbridge, Massachusetts, where this happened here. They got three stop signs 
Two police officers and one police car But when we got to the scene of the crime There was five police officers and three police cars Being the biggest crime of the last 50 years And everybody wanted to get in a newspaper story about it And they was using up all kinds of cop equipment That they had hanging around the police officer station They was taking plaster tire track footprints Dog smelling prints And they took 27 8 by 10 colored glossy photographs With circles and arrows and a paragraph on the back Of each one explaining what each one was To be used as evidence against us Took pictures of the approach, the getaway The northwest corner and southwest corner And that's not to mention the aerial photography after the ordeal, we went back to the jail. Obi said he was gonna put us in the cell. Said, kid, I'm gonna put you in the cell. I want your wallet and your belt. And I said, Obi, I can understand you wanting my wallet so I don't have any money to spend in the cell, but what do you want my belt for? And it said, kid, we don't want any hangings. Said, Obi, did you think I was gonna hang myself for littering? Obi said he was making sure, and friends Obi was, cause he took out the toilet seat so I couldn't hit myself over the head and drown. And he took out the toilet paper so I couldn't bend the bars, roll out the roll of the toilet paper out the window, slide down the roll and have an escape. Obi was making sure, and it was about four or five hours later that Alice, remember Alice? It's a song about Alice. Alice came by with a few nasty words to Obi on the side, bailed us out of jail, we went back to the church, had another Thanksgiving dinner that couldn't be beat and didn't get up until the next morning when we all had to go to court. We walked in, sat down, Obi came in with a 27 8 by 10 colored glossy pictures with the circles and arrows and a paragraph on the back each one, sat down. Man came in, said, all rise. We all stood up, and Obi stood up with the 27 8 by 10 colored glossy pictures. And the judge walked in, sat down with the CNI dog, and he sat down. We sat down. Obi looked at the CNI dog. And then the 27 8 by 10 colored glossy pictures with the circles and arrows and a paragraph on the back of each one, and looked at the CNI dog. And then the 27 8 by 10 colored glossy pictures with the circles and arrows and a paragraph on the back of each one and began to cry cause Obi came to the realization that it was a typical case of American blind justice and there wasn't nothing he could do about it and the judge wasn't gonna look at the 27 8 by 10 colored glossy pictures with the circles and arrows and a paragraph on the back of each one explaining what each one was to be used as evidence against us and we was fined fifty dollars and had to pick up the garbage in the snow, but that's not what I came to tell you about. Came to talk about the draft. We got a building down in New York City, it's called Whitehall Street, where you walk in and you get injected, inspected, detected, infected, neglected, and selected. I went down to get my physical examination one day and I walked in, I sat down, got good and drunk the night before, so I looked and felt my best when I went in that morning. Cause I wanted to look like the all-American kid from New York City. Man, I wanted, I wanted to feel like all, I wanted to be the all-American kid from New York. And I walked in, sat down, I was hung down, brung down, hung up and all kinds of mean, nasty, ugly things. And I walked in, I sat down, they gave me a piece of paper, said, kid, 
see the psychiatrist, room 604, and I went up there, I said, shrink, I want to kill. You know, I want, I want to kill. Kill. I want, I want to see, I want to see blood and gore and guts and veins in my teeth. Eat dead, burnt bodies. I mean, kill. 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 And I started jumping up and down, yelling, kill. Kill. And it started jumping up and down with me, and we was both jumping up and down, yelling, kill. Kill. And the sergeant came over, pinned the metal on me, sent me down the hall, said, you're our boy. Feel too good about it. Proceeded on down the hall, getting more injections, inspections, detections, neglections, and all kinds of stuff that they was doing to me at the thing there. And I was there for two hours, three hours, four hours. I was there for a long time, going through all kinds of mean, nasty, ugly things, and I was just having a tough time there. And they was inspecting, injecting every single part of me, and they wasn't leaving no part untouched. Proceeded through and I went finally came to see the very last man. I walked in, walked in, sat down after a whole big thing there, and I walked up and said, What do you want? He said, Kid, we only got one question. Have you ever been arrested? And I proceeded to tell him the story of Alice's restaurant, Massacre, with full orchestration and five-part harmony and stuff like that. And then all the phenomena stopped me right there and said, Kid. Did you ever go to court? I proceeded to tell him the story of the 27 8 by 10 colored glossy pictures with the circles and arrows and a paragraph on the back of each one that stopped me right there and said, Kid, I want you to go over and sit down on that bench that says Group W. Now, kid! And I, I walked over to, to the bench there, and there's his group W is where they, where they put you if you may not be moral enough to, to join the army after committing your special crime. And there was all kinds of mean, nasty, ugly-looking people on the bench there. Mother rapers. Father stabbers. Father rapers. <laughs> Father Rafe was sitting right there on the bench next to me and one day was mean and nasty and ugly and horrible and crime-fighting guys was sitting there on the bench and the meanest, ugliest, nastiest one, the meanest father raper of them all, was coming over to me and he was mean and ugly and nasty and horrible and all kinds of things and he sat down next to me and said, Kid, what'd you get? said, I didn't get nothing. I had to pay $50 and pick up the garbage. <laughs> I said, what were you arrested for, kid? And I said, littering. And they all moved away from me on the bench there to carry a bone, all kinds of mean, nasty things, till I said, and creating a nuisance. And they all came back, shook my hand, and we had a great time on the bench talking about crime, mother stabbing, father raping, all kinds of groovy things that we was talking about on the bench. And everything was fine. We were smoking cigarettes and all kinds of things until the sergeant came over, had some paper in his hand, held it up and said, Kids, 
This piece of paper's got 47 words, 37 sentences, 58 words. We want no details of the crime, time the crime, and that's the kind of thing you gotta say. Pretend to about the crime, one of the rest of the officer's name, and that's the kind of thing you gotta say. And it talked for 45 minutes, and nobody understood a word that he said. But we had fun filling out the forms and playing with the pencils on the bench there. And I filled out the massacre with the four-part harmony, and... Wrote it down there just like it was And everything was fine And I put down a pencil And I turned over the piece of paper And, and there There on the other side In the middle of the other side Away from everything else on the other side In parentheses Capital letters quoted read the following words. Kid, you rehabilitated yourself. I went over to the sergeant and said, Sergeant, you've got a lot of damn gall to ask me if I've rehabilitated myself. I mean, I mean, I mean, I just, I'm sitting here on the bench. I mean, I'm sitting here on the group W bench Cause you wanna know if I'm moral enough to join an army Burn women, kids, houses, and villages after being a litter bug He looked at me and said, kid You don't like your kind And we're gonna send your fingerprints off to Washington and friends Somewhere in Washington enshrined in sun little folders and study in black and white of my fingerprints and the only reason I'm singing you the song now is cause you may know somebody in a similar situation or you may be in a similar situation and if you're in a situation like that there's only one thing you can do is walk into the shrink wherever you are just walk in say shrink you can get anything you want at Alice's restaurant and walk out. You know, if one person, just one person does it, they may think he's really sick and they won't take him. And if two people, two people do it in harmony, they think they're both faggots and it won't take either of them. And if three people do it, can you imagine three people walking in, singing a bar, Alice's restaurant, and walking out? They may think it's an organization. And can you, can you imagine 50 people a day? I said 50 people a day walking in, singing a bar, Alice's restaurant, and walking out. And friends, they may think it's a movement. And that's what it is. The Alice's Restaurant Anti-Massacre Movement. And all you gotta do to join is to sing it the next time it comes around on the guitar. With feeling. So we'll wait till it comes around on the guitar here. Sing it when it does. Here it comes. You can get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant. You can get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant. 
Walk right in this around the back Just a half a mile from the railroad track And you can get anything you want At Alice's Restaurant That was horrible One and Warren stuff, you gotta sing loud. You could put a lot. I've been singing this song now for 25 minutes. I could sing it for another 25 minutes. I'm not proud <laughs> or tired. So we'll wait till it comes around again. And this time with four part harmony and feeling. We're just waiting for it to come around, is what we're doing. All right now. You can get anything you want at Alice's restaurant. Excepting Alice. You can get anything you want. At Alice's restaurant They walk right in It's around the back Just a half a mile from the railroad track And you can get Anything you want At Alice's restaurant da -da 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 -da. At Alice's That's the classic Alice's Restaurant Thanksgiving ritual. Okay, listening to it again. If 60s era anti-Vietnam War song by Arlo Guthrie, often played at non-commercial radio stations for decades on Thanksgiving or near it. Listening to it again, I did hear some lines that make you wince. They don't, they're not appropriate for how we have certain standards nowadays, for how we talk about people. But overall, I do think the message still resonates. Like Michelle shocked, I think we can embrace our old traditions, just update them with newfound love and compassion. And that's my hope for everybody on this Thanksgiving weekend. That we all get a moment to pause from the craziness in our world, the daily assault of attention-grabbing misery or division. We can't close our eyes to what happens around us, but we're not gonna be much good if we can't also close our eyes once in a while. Look inside put out our hands at the table before we eat hold hands think of all that we're grateful for and I'm grateful for so much including being here at WNHHFM thank you for joining us on Headlines and Baselines on Dateline New Haven WNHHFM thanks to Harry Droz the person who we're most thankful for at this radio station who keeps us on so many dimensions of the multiverse we're going to take it out, as usual, with the Afro-Semitic experience performing I Wish I Knew How It Feel to Be Free from the group CD, A Plea for Peace. This is Paul Bass inviting you to fly free with us all day, all night, and all weekend long. WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio. <laughs>